There had been an outcry since the attack on Divinity's Reach. People were shell-shocked and demanding answers. They asked how could the Queen and Ministry have missed such a threat? How could a mantle infiltration of this scale go unnoticed? How many ministers and Crichton soldiers were traitors? They demanded to know where the White Mantle had been hiding all these years, but above all they needed to know who was responsible and why all this happened. As the Crown forces continued to harry White Mantle zealots in Lake Doric, and the Queen investigated the Ministry and Armed Forces for traitors, I headed back to the heart of the Maguma jungle. On the northeastern border of Verdant Brink lay a now abandoned White Mantle fortress. It was there I hoped to find at least some of the answers for my people. For it was here, half a year before the attack on Divinity's Reach, that a squad of pack soldiers fell prey to a horde of bandits. Little did they know the horrors which lay ahead for them, a situation only made worse by the defeat of Mordremoth. Stood in the ruins of the soldiers' camp, there was an uneerie stillness to the place, an unnerving, unnatural silence. There was no birdsong here, just the oppressive heat of the jungle and a growing sense of unease. Up ahead, an ancient stone circle loomed. Touching one of its broken pillars, I could feel the faint vibrations of magic. The stones were scorched and blood-stained. My priory guide told me the battle to free the captives began here. Scholar Glenna acted as support for the rescue team as they battled their way through the thicket. Referring to the region as the Forsaken Thicket, she explained the horrors the rescuers encountered. Before they'd arrived, she had been trying to study the stone circle, but was stopped by what she referred to as anomalies. The Priory had records of these creatures, but she was tight-lipped about the subject. In the months following the jungle dragon's death, these anomalies had been observed in Kryta, the Shiver Peak Mountains, and as far east as Ascalon. The scholars were deeply troubled by these apparitions and feared the unintended consequences of the deaths of both Zaitan and Mordremoth. When the rescuers had arrived, they vanquished the anomalies, but were hard-pressed to deal with the crazed spirits of the Vale. Stood before a river of souls, in the face of such horror, I feared what lay ahead. Pointing off into the distance, Glenna painted a hellish picture of a creature like nothing I had ever heard of. It was Legion the coalesced misery and suffering of countless souls, a mindless, murderous, merciless abomination. Later she would discover the bandits had nicknamed the thing Gorsaval and had been feeding it captives. The rescue team were forced to dig in over the course of a few weeks. They managed to push back the spirits, kill the abomination, rout the bandits and eventually free the captives. The soldiers had reported seeing flashes of light in the evening sky and hearing screams over the Great Wall to the west. She showed me a handful of tattered parchments, fragments of journals and orders she had uncovered in the area. From these she had been able to verify the anomalies here, like the others, had only appeared after the death of the dragon. She also understood what the soldiers had seen, but wanted to show me so I could understand what I was reporting. Walking south, we threaded our way through the jungle. Ahead were more wooden structures, tents, mass graves, or rather open pits filled with charred corpses. Glenda told me the people in them were from villages all across Kryta, many from Beetleton. There are bandit camps from Queensdale to the border of the Silver Waste. 
and beyond, working for the White Mantle, abducting people. They had even installed an surrogate at Fort Vandal to help them transport their victims here, to die. In the face of their mindful, efficient brutality, I was chilled. If you have ever heard a White Mantle sympathizer talking about the greater good, remind them of this place. Remind them that this slaughter began 250 years ago, and that these innocent people not only lost their lives, but they lost their very souls to unending torment. Nothing good could ever be bought at such a cost. The next morning we headed north to the Temple of Salvation. The rescue team had encountered a white mantle inquisitor here, Matthias Gabral. Pack squad leader Bennett was caged inside the temple, and their only hope of saving him was ending the zealot. The fight was hard, and took a horrifying turn when Matthias succumbed to bloodstone corruption. Thankfully Bennett was saved, and despite his poor condition proved to be a valuable source of information. And in the distance a castle stood tall and proud, its graceful towers kissed the cool blue skies, its weathered white stones shone in the morning light, and bloodstones mounted like turrets scattered sunlight into prismatic splendour. How could there be beauty here? How was it possible? As we walked through the wall garden, lined with solemn statues, towards a beautiful, broken temple, it struck me just how utterly monstrous this place was. The horrifying duality of it, the contempt shown for life in one moment, and then the thoughtful care taken by those who tended this garden, those who made this place a place of such loveliness. It was repulsive. The stronghold seemed to manifest the qualities of the bloodstones themselves. They are truly beautiful to behold, but they radiate corruption and despair. These new white mantle had not only recreated bloodstones, they were studying them, experimenting with them, trying to infuse themselves with bloodstone power, to hideous effect. Matthias had not been the only zealot to sacrifice their humanity and sanity at the altar of power. Beyond the zealot's bastion lay what the scholar referred to as the Twisted Castle. The mistress of this fortress, High Inquisitor Zira, was so infused with bloodstone power, she had lost her mortal form completely. The magics she wielded were so beyond control, they had twisted the fabric of reality. To simply navigate this area of the fortress was difficult. I could not imagine trying to do so whilst being beset by attackers. Glenna led me to the heart of this madness. The Chamber of Awakening. The place where Lazarus the Dyer had been reborn. All those lives, all that suffering to resurrect an old monster. The scrolls tell us his final words 250 years ago. Accursed humans, you have done this to me. I will not forget this. Countless generations will suffer for your actions this day. Whatever his words are actions now, nothing born of such darkness could ever be good. 
I shudder to think the horrors he will rain down upon this world. But Lazarus had not let the assault on divinity's reach. We must travel to Beetleton, to the manor of the late Lord Cordicus, to see the ruinous cost of blind faith and ambition run to madness. The last chapter of this saga will be known. The victims of the Forsaken Thicket and Lake Doric demand nothing less. I ask you, the people of Kryta, demand answers from our now dictator and queen. Ask her what knowledge she had of the Forsaken Thicket. And I offer you all a word of caution. Watch with care the actions of this queen. This is the perfect opportunity for her to remove traitors and detractors alike. For who will question the saviour of divinity's reach? The day the queen returns the power of the ministry will be the day this crisis truly ends. Until then, we must continue to all speak truth to power. This is Fornax Kingspear reporting for the Crichton Herald at the Forsaken Thicket. May Cormia guide us all.